Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. And we pray now that as we seek to understand it and we seek to apply it to our lives, that you might, by your spirit, uh, show us where we need to hear your word tonight and then give us the encouragement and motivation to put it into practice. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. It's been a while now, but I can still remember my first year university and sitting the end of year exams. Maybe you've been to university and you can remember that time. Maybe you haven't been to university, but I'm sure you can remember school exams. And those of you who know my personality will understand this. And some of you might have the same personality and will understand and appreciate it. I went into my final exams knowing that I would not get 100%, but I have a perfectionistic streak to my personality. And so, although I knew I wasn't going to get 100, I wanted to get as close as I could to 100% as possible. So I studied, I studied, I studied hard and went as prepared as I could into those final exams and did reasonably well. Put up your hand if you're that same kind of personality. Okay, a few of you. Now, I had a colleague at university who had a different philosophy when it came to studying. He knew that the pass mark to pass a subject was 50%. And so he thought any study that got you a mark above 50% was a waste of your time because you only need 50% to pass. Now, for those of you who are my personality, how do you feel about that philosophy of study? Absolutely stressed. Put up your hand if you are this person who thinks that 50% is enough and you don't need to... Riley, put your hand down. That is not your philosophy of study. It will not be your philosophy of study. But there are many of us that are like that, right? But for some people, that's really stressful. And I think for those of you who put up your hand and you think 50% is enough, at times you probably found it stressful as well. And like my friend, you probably had to repeat a few subjects. But in life, there are some things where it doesn't really matter whether you get 50% or not. You're not going to die if you only get 50% in an exam. That is true. But there are some things in life where 50% is not good enough. For example, if you are skydiving, you want your parachute to last 100% of the way down. You don't want it to cease to exist or fall apart 50% of the way down. If you're driving a four-wheel drive, say, in the Blue Mountains, and you come to a big, nice, muddy puddle, you don't want your nice, brand-new four-wheel drive to stop halfway. I mean, sometimes that happens. You want it to go all of the way. Now, when it comes to your Christian life, what kind of Christian do you want to be? Do you want to be a 50% Christian or do you want to be a 100% Christian? Do you want to go the full distance in following Jesus or are you happy with just a few years of fruitful Christian life, productivity, meet a new friend, come along to enjoy it for a few years, but then you move on to something else after a little while? What kind of Christian do you want to be? Today we begin a new series in the New Testament book of Colossians, and we're calling it Built to Last. It was written by the Apostle Paul to a little church in a town called Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey, but back then they called the region Asia Minor. Now, it's an interesting little church, this one in Colossae, because the Apostle Paul, even though he wrote to them, he never actually visited this church. He never even started this church. Paul started lots of churches, 
but he didn't start this one. In fact, we're told in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, it was started by a colleague of Paul named Epaphras. Epaphras had the honour of being used by God to start this church in Colossae. But Paul, the great apostle, had heard about this church and heard about their faith in Christ Jesus and he wrote this letter to them to encourage them to keep going on, to keep maturing in their discipleship of Jesus. And I think if there's one verse of the entire letter that summarises it beautifully, it's this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, where Paul says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. I've highlighted built up in him because that's where we got our tagline for the series, built to last. Paul has heard about these Colossians and he's so overfilled with joy for them, but he wants them to keep going on in following Jesus. Just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord continue to walk in him, be built to last. Or in other words, he wants them to grow up and not give up. And in Colossians chapter 1, the first chapter that we're looking at tonight, Paul begins this encouragement to, to grow up and not give up by reminding the Colossians of how much they mean to him, even though he's never met them, and what he has been praying for them. And Paul's prayers are really structured around two sections. The first section is in verse 3 to verse 8, where Paul encourages the Colossians with a prayer of thanks that he's been praying to God about them. And then in verse 9 to 14, Paul encourages the Colossians with what he's been praying for them. Now, why, if you're a Christian, do you sometimes tell people what you've been praying for them? Why do you do that? You do it so that they know what you long for them and what they ought to long for themselves. And Paul has been doing that in Colossians chapter 1. And in many ways, you could summarise both his thanksgiving and his prayer for them in this. He wants them to keep growing. He wants them to be fruitful in their Christian lives. And I've got five areas from the prayer uh, where Paul seeks to encourage them to be even more fruitful. And the first is this. He wants them to be fruitful in faith. And in many ways, they already are fruitful in faith. Because look at his very first point in his thanksgiving in verse 3. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. The first thing Paul says to the Colossians is, I thank God for you because of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul has never met them. So how does he know that they have strong faith in Christ Jesus because he's heard about it. He's heard about it. A faith, we're told in verse 5, that they first heard when the gospel, the message of truth, came to them through the ministry of Epaphras. A, a gospel which is true, verse 5. A gospel which is full of grace, verse 6. And a gospel that I think Paul summarises beautifully in verse 12 to 14 at the end of our section. If you want to know what the good news of Jesus is, if you want to know what the faith is that it's the heart of Christianity, you can't get a better summary, I think, than verse 12 to 14. Have a look at it. Where Paul gives thanks to the Father 
who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. That is the gospel. The Colossians once lived under the domain of darkness, alienated from God. But the message of truth, the gospel of grace came to them and they received it. The gospel that said your sins can be forgiven. That Jesus has died in your place and that you can know and live with God forever. When the Colossians heard that, they received it with great joy. That is the faith that they have. That is the faith that's been ringing around the world that the Apostle Paul has heard about them. Could that be said of you? Could there be people all over Sydney that know that you have faith in the Lord Jesus? Do they know your story, how you were once under the domain of darkness, but now you have been brought into the light of the kingdom of God's beloved son? Is that knowledge ringing around Sydney that you have come to faith? What about our church? Is our church known in New South Wales as a place where people believe and rejoice that they are following the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope it is. But could it be said of you? That was what was said of the Colossians. They are already being fruitful in faith and the Apostle Paul longs that they continue to stand firm in Jesus. The second area where Paul longs for fruitfulness in the Colossians, and I think for us today, is to be fruitful in knowledge. And in many ways, fruitful in knowledge flows from that foundation of faith. Now, some people in our contemporary age think that faith and knowledge are almost opposite each other. You know, faith is blind faith. It's believing something without evidence. But knowledge is something that you gain by investigating. It's evidence-based. But the Bible never puts them in that kind of contrast. The Bible always sees faith as knowledge-based. In fact, the more you grow in your knowledge, the deeper your faith can be and in fact paul says in verse 9 that this is the very prayer that he prays for the colossians he's thankful for their faith but he wants their knowledge of god now to go even deeper verse 9 for this reason also since the day we heard this for this reason also because of your faith since the day we heard about it we haven't stopped praying for you and we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding he wants them to be fruitful in knowledge the knowledge of god but not just so they can be puffed up in their knowledge not so they can just say uh, i have a degree in theology and aren't i so great now no paul doesn't want knowledge for knowledge sake because he keeps going in verse 10 so that in other words this knowledge will result in not being puffed up with pride, but so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. The knowledge is about knowledge of God, yes, but also about the way that he wants his people to live. Knowledge that will enable his people to walk worthily of him. Paul wants the Colossians to be fruitful in that. Could that be said of you? Are you seeking to know God and his purpose for your life more and more. It's been my experience that often when 
uh, teenagers, be- when, Christians, when people become Christians in their teenage years, they have often this thirst for God's knowledge, a craving to understand the Bible more and more. And as that goes into their young adult years, maybe university or, or beyond that, there is this, oh, I'm just loving the Bible and I just want to know more. And you join every Bible study under the sun and you do every training course that there is and you just want to keep growing. But then there comes a point maybe after university or when you started working or maybe when you started having children, if you get married and, and start a family and just life gets so busy and distractions just come in and often overwhelm you and that your brain, your mind just starts to wander and you don't have the same thirst for the word of God. You don't have that same craving to know God and what he wants you to do with, with your life as much as you once did. And your mind starts to get filled with other things. And soon enough, people can start to drift away from loving God and seeking to know him. You might know people like that. My own brother's story is like that. And I'm praying that he might indeed, in God's grace, come back to know the Lord. But at the moment, he has walked away. But Paul wants the Colossians to be fruitful in knowledge the next thing he wants them to be fruitful in is love doing good to others now that's what he says again in verse uh, 10 he wants a love that is seen so that you may walk worthy of the lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of god he wants them to bear more fruit in good works in love to other people now why does paul pray that for them well it's because a christian can never get to the point in their christian life where they can say love others tick done that what next because love never has an end love doesn't have limits love always seeks even new ways to do good to other people and paul prays that the colossians would not be like Pharisees that seek to do the minimum and pat themselves on the back. How godly am I? He wants them to be fruitful even more in good works, that their love would be seen by those around. Could that be said of you? Are you being fruitful in love? Are you seeking even new ways to do good to other people? That could be said of the Colossians. In verse 4, right at the beginning of his prayer, one thing that Paul thanks God for is not just their faith, but their love for all the saints. Could that be said of us? Could that be said of you? Fruitful in love. Are we at the fourthly? I think we're around the fourthly. He wants them to be fruitful in strength or fruitful in power. Verse 11, he prays, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience. He prays that they would endure, that they would be patient, that they would have the strength to endure. Why does Paul pray that? Why does Paul pray that? Well, he prays that because a true Christian, a faithful Christian, is not just somebody who responds to an emotional appeal at a Billy Graham crusade or some other evangelistic event. 
but a true Christian is the one that will endure to the end, not just a 50% Christian, but 100%, who stays walking with the Lord Jesus until their life's end. And that is hard work, isn't it? And so Paul prays for the Colossians that they would have the strength of God to endure because the Christian journey at times is up and down and can be full of trials, temptations and even pain at times. And I think so many Christians even today are seeking strength, are seeking power, but often it's power to get out of a difficult situation. We want power from God for our pain to be removed. It's right to pray for that. But often what God's priority is in his people is not to remove pain from our experience, but to renew us through our pain. So often we want God to do a removing job, but God's priority is to do a renewing job in our lives. And Paul prays that the Colossians will have the strength to endure whatever comes their way. I don't know if, like me, you have been astonished by the inner strength of the Abdullah family uh, in recent weeks. Abdullah family, a Christian family uh, who live in Western Sydney. Uh, They had six children. Now they have three because a drunk driver ran over three of them as they were walking along a footpath a few weeks ago. This is what the parents have said in recent weeks. And I wonder whether you could say the same thing. We forgive the driver that killed our innocent children. His actions will be met before the earthly and heavenly judge. But we have decided in our hearts to forgive him for our sake, for the sake of our children and more so for Christ's sake. Our faith in Jesus remains the foundation of our family and we believe it alone will continue to help us through this difficult time. Each day that passes is a day closer to the day when we are reunited with our little angels. We will look forward to this moment and not backwards at yesterday's pain. As we've tried to make sense of the past week, the world too has been shaken by this mortifying event. But it is our hope that through this, all will know that no matter the pain or despair, God will be a safeguard through the dark valley. God is in control, and eternity sits in the palm of his hand. Our life here on earth is but a vapour in comparison to his eternal plans and the purpose God holds for his children. That's spoken just after the death of their three children, or three of their children. Could you say that? Would you have that strength to endure and communicate like that? I'd like to think that I would, but I don't know. I think they're a great example of someone that has power from God and enduring through a horrendous situation in life. And Paul is praying that the Colossians, no matter what comes their way, that they will endure, that they will last the end. I'm sure that's his prayer for you and for me as well, being fruitful in strength to endure. And then lastly, he wants the Colossians to be fruitful in thankfulness to have a thankfulness that is shared. Verse 12, 
he prays that they will continually give thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. And then he goes on to explain the gospel again. I think here is the final sign of a fruitful Christian, someone that is known for their thankfulness no matter what is going on in their life. And there are many things that can happen in our life too, particularly when life is going hard, where thankfulness is not so much the mark of our posture to God or towards others. You know, when life is hard, it can be so easy to be grumpy, to complain, to be discouraged. And it's right that we share our feelings when we're feeling discouraged or when we're feeling angry or we're feeling grumpy. It's right that we share those with God because he has big enough shoulders to handle our grumpiness. I don't think it's wise to share our grumpiness on social media or other platforms that just annoy other people. Share it with God. But even when life is not going so well, Paul wants the Colossians, and I think he wants us, to be known for our thankfulness. Because no matter what we're going through in life, there is always one thing that Christians can be thankful for. And it's the gospel. That God in his grace has enabled us to share in the inheritance of his saints that we have already been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light in his son. That will not change no matter what happens in your immediate experience, good or bad. And so there is always a foundation for God's people to be thankful. And Paul wants the Colossians to continue to be fruitful in thankfulness, to be known for their gratitude rather than their grumpiness when life doesn't go so well. So Paul as he begins this letter to the Colossians. He starts by thanking God for them. They've started so well. Their faith in Christ Jesus is being heard all over the world. But he prays that that will not be the end. He prays that they will continue to grow in Christ and to be fruitful followers of Jesus. Fruitful in their faith, yes. Fruitful in their knowledge. Fruitful in their love. Fruitful in their strength. And fruitful in their thankfulness. And I don't think Paul meant for this prayer and encouragement to be limited to the Colossians. In fact, the reason I know that, we won't look it up tonight, but you can go home and read it. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul urges the Colossian church, having read this letter from Paul, to send it around to other churches in Asia Minor so that they too could be encouraged by it, which means that Paul's encouragement to the Colossians was not limited to them but was meant for a wider audience. And I think the reason God in his sovereignty has preserved this letter as holy scripture means that God wanted us to read it and to be encouraged and challenged by it today. He wants us to be fruitful Christians, to be built to last, to go the distance. Maybe there is a particular area from Colossians chapter 1 that you would like to be more fruitful in. Maybe it's your faith being heard. Maybe it's your thirst for knowing God more. Maybe it's your love. Maybe it's your strength. Maybe it's your thankfulness. Maybe it's all of them. But where might God be speaking and encouraging and challenging you tonight? The drought has hit many people hard in our nation. And even here in Sydney, my backyard was affected by the lack of rain in recent months. The lawn went brown, plants started to die, 
my poor citrus tree started to look a bit droopy and sad. And sometimes in our Christian life, spiritually, we can be like that as well. Feel like a bit of a drought. Our faith in God starts to get a little shaky and we have more questions and doubts than maybe we once had in the past. We don't have that same thirst to know God and his word as much as we once did. Our love for others is a little bit droopy. Our strength is starting to wane. We may even feel like giving up. And we're more grumpy than we are grateful. Sometimes we can feel like that, can't we? Now, when our land was in drought, and I know it still is in many places, what did God's people do? What did we do as a church often every Sunday over the last few months? When there were bushfires, when there was drought, what did we pray for? Rain. Has God answered that prayer? Absolutely. Probably given us more rain than we needed. At least more than my lounge room needed as well. But God has answered our prayers and he has sent life-renewing rain. I had to mow my lawn yesterday for the first time in months. Plants have started to grow again and my citrus trees are starting to flower which means, I think, I'm no horticulturalist, but I think that means that fruit will come in due course. And if you're feeling a little bit unfruitful in your Christian life at the moment, if where we needed rain, we prayed for it and God answered, if you're feeling a bit unfruitful in your Christian life, what ought to be the first thing you do? Pray. Pray for yourself, but also pray like Paul for others, that they might bear fruit in their life as well. And, you know, I think one of the other messages of Colossians 1, particularly because of verse 9 and 10, is that you can also be an answer to your own prayer if you're longing to be fruitful. There is something that you can do to help that. Verse 9 and 10, it's by thirsting again for the knowledge of God. Using the rain metaphor, it's soaking yourself in the life-giving water of the gospel and the word of God. As you do that, fruit will often disappear because it flows out of the gospel. Can I encourage you over the next term as we study hard the book of Colossians, keep coming to church. Keep putting down strong roots that you want to soak in the word of God. And I think you will reap the fruit and the benefits of it. Join a discipleship group if you haven't yet done. This week's a great week to do that because we're starting. And throughout this term, can I encourage you to do what the Apostle Paul does here? Pray for others. Pray for yourself, yes, that you will bear fruit throughout this season. But pray for somebody else as well. Remember, Paul was praying for the Colossians and he didn't even know them. He hadn't even met them. Maybe there are people in this congregation who you've only just met in recent years. Rather than praying for your buddy or your husband or your... Keep doing that, that's good. But can I encourage you to have a look around the room tonight? Is there somebody that maybe you don't even know yet, but you can say, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm not just going to pray for your physical and material needs, for your bung knee to get better. I mean, I will do that. But more fundamental than that, I'm going to pray like Paul, that you will grow, grow up and not give up. I'm going to pray that you will continue to bear fruit for the honour of God and the glory of his name.
have a look around the room. Who is someone that you can pray for in that way? Have a look around. Maybe write down the name of somebody in this room tonight that you want to commit to praying for throughout this season in Colossians. And I think if you do that, you'll notice a significant transformation in your own life and in the life of the person next to you. Will you do that? Let's pray now. In line with Colossians 1. Father, we pray that you may fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that we may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Please strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience. Fill us also with joy so that we might give you thanks in all circumstances because you have enabled us to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. You have rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your Son. You have redeemed us and forgiven us finally and fully in Jesus. Father, we want to be those disciples of Jesus that grow up 